What's up? What's up? Incredible people. I am so thankful for who you are. And I'm so thankful to have the pure joy of being a part of your life in this really cool way of a podcast. Welcome to the Have You Heard podcast. I'm your host, Emma Mae McDaniel. And a dear friend of mine, Mr. Aaron Williams, is on the podcast with us today. And we're going to be talking about how you can relate to God with your whole self and how he loves you so much and made you for intimacy with him. So friends, grab your headphones and let's get into the word. Aaron, welcome to the Have You Heard podcast. I'm so stoked that you're here. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Um, the honor's all mine being here. I'm so excited just to have a conversation with you, see where it leads us today. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I think this is so fun because for those of you listening, Josh and I met Aaron a, like a little less than a year ago and we didn't even know that we were all invited. We were all invited to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where we were gathering together to see how we could reach the unreached with the gospel of Christ. And we didn't even know all of us had been invited until we got there. And then we got to sit at the same table and became friends. And now he's on the podcast. So it's just a really sweet full circle moment. And I just love that you're here. This is cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was thinking back and even just remembering of all the people that were invited to that event, the fact that we sat next to one another and we're both from the state of Arkansas out of all the people coming from all over the world. And, yeah. you know, we've got in our conversation, we have so many like mutual connections and friends and it's just a small world and uh yeah it's been wonderful to get to know you guys and your story and what god's doing through you just so pumped to be a part of it oh thank you i know it is it is such a connected world for sure um i would love to know Aaron, what's something that made you smile today one thing that made me smile today um my son beckham He's my youngest. I've got two sons. He's seven. He won second place, their team did, in their baseball tournament this weekend. And it's the first time he's ever played baseball. Uh, The funny part to me is their team was really not very good (laughs) this whole year. They were like out of of 19 teams, they were in 16th place going into the tournament. And they made it all the way to the finals. They lost in the last inning. But he was just like beaming with joy and pride, you know. And so he woke up this morning holding this little division champion or finalist trophy. Um, yeah, I mean, Stop how it. can That's that not so bring sweet? A, yeah, how can that not bring a smile to your face? So it was. Yeah. It was a good weekend, and I'm glad that baseball's over. It's getting hot here in Texas where I live, and so you know we need to be at the pool, not on the baseball field, for a little while. Yeah, those are when the snow cones come out. (laughs) You are in full-on summer mode. That is so sweet. He is going to remember that weekend for a long time. I think so. I love that. So we're talking today about how we can relate to the Lord with our whole self. Can you tell me a little bit about what that even means? (laughs) Like somebody (laughs) tuning in, like, What do you mean relate to God with my whole self? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And that is a wonderful place to start. You know, I think I grew up, uh, maybe part of my story is helpful. I grew up, 
um, in a small church, very healthy church, but like my discipleship to Jesus growing up essentially was a discipling of my mind. And all the things that our church valued would have to do with, um, you know, hearing sermons and teaching and reading, understanding theology and doctrine. And it wasn't until I was maybe even in college that I realized uh, as a human being, I'm more than just a mind and I'm not less than a, than a, a thinker, you know, but um, yeah. I'm, I'm a, can be an emotional person. You know, I'm a musician by trade. And so like, was like, oh, how, how do how do my emotions, what do I do with them in my relationship to the Lord? And uh, I also have a will, you know, I can I can choose to do things or not do things. And that little rabbit hole um, really led me to to understand and dive into the great commandment, uh, which, if you don't know, it is first iterated in Deuteronomy. Jesus brings it back in the Gospels. But it's, it's hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. And mm-hmm. what it's getting at is this with all, all the parts of who you are. And so I just began to realize, oh, like I have a lot of ground to take in learning to love God with all of myself. And there are parts of me that come that comes more naturally and parts that that comes a little bit you know, it's a little bit harder and it's a little bit, I have to put more effort into learning it. And so that would be my short answer would be, it's recognizing that as human beings, we are, you know, we can't segregate ourselves. We are uh, heart, mind, strength, soul. And so it's a lifelong journey to learn to love him with all of who we are holistically. Okay. I love how you said that you are not less than a thinker, but you are more than a thinker. Yeah, and absolutely. I also, I love how you're talking about it's a lifelong journey of relating to God. It's a lifelong journey of getting to know him. And for those of you listening, Aaron is a phenomenal songwriter and worship leader. And so I had to give all that context before I asked this question. Because this may be incorrect of me, but I feel like whenever I think of a songwriter or a worship leader, I th- I think of someone who, I don't know, is, is eas- not easily, but more naturally relates to God in an emotional way. Mm-hmm. Like it's, e- it's more, it's easier for them to be honest and open with God about how they're feeling. Not saying my relationship with God is based on my feelings, but I'm able to walk with God in an honest, free way as I express my feelings to Him. And so I'm really intrigued by the fact that as a songwriter and a worship leader, you say that it's actually been a challenge for you to lean into that area. Can you share, like, how has that impacted your songwriting and worship leading? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, just to give you a little snapshot into who I am, you know, I, I consider myself like leaning toward being a thinker, like on, on Myers-Briggs personality testing. If for anyone yeah. who's done that, you know, it'll actually tell you thinker or feeler. I think I come out like 60% thinking, 40% feeling. So I'm I'm a little bit balanced, but I definitely lean toward um, rational decision-making and when it comes to my relationship with God, I, I naturally lean towards study, Bible study, um, you know, things like that. And so 
as a worship leader, I actually feel like music helped me tap into my emotions because music is mm. emotional in, in its in its very nature. And so I would find myself leading worship. And the most powerful times to me would be when there was this fusion of like, say, a song that had wonderful theology, like engaging my mind. And also the music moved my heart and my emotions. And that was yeah. always more powerful than just one or the other. And that, so that's a great it's example. A of, yes, that's a great example of like, if I were just to recite the lyrics to that song, it would be uh, intellectually stimulating. Maybe if I were just to listen to the music with no lyric, it would be emotionally moving. But when you have both of them together, it actually starts engaging more of the whole person, which we all understand. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if anyone who right. loves music, anyone who loves music, um, that's one of the things that music does. That's that's powerful. You know, it's why I think at times music can seep through the crevices of our heart a little bit deeper is because it's the both and. And so, yeah, I think worship leading really really helped me engage in my emotion um, in a more healthy way. And, you know, if there's anything that we need with it, figuring out how to relate our emotions to God, it's to to learn how to control them or inform them because they're not mm. essentially bad. They're essentially good, but they can definitely get the best of us as we probably yeah. all have experienced, you know. For sure. Oh, if you're human, you have experienced that <laughs> hands yeah. down. No doubt yes. about it. So, okay, it's clear that we were made, like Scripture says, we were made by God and we were made for mm -hmm. God. We were made to know who He is. I love how in Scripture, Jesus, He's talking about like whenever a judgment day comes, he's either going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me for I never knew you. And that, that sounds, it may sound like, whoa, that's really harsh. Why do you gravitate towards that so much? I love it so much because it shows that God desires relationship. Like yeah. it's relationship that he wants and it's through faith in his son that we can have that so we were made for it god desires it and we were made for it with our whole self not just part of us but can yep. you talk with me about what hinders us from relating to god with our whole self because there are ways that we naturally may relate to god but what are things that may be keeping us from experiencing closeness with god or may be causing our relationship with him to just continually feel dry and we may not even mm. be aware of why yeah there's there's a couple of things that come to mind i think i think personality does play into this quite a bit you know like just i shared about my mm -hmm. own story of being more mind oriented. Yeah. And so, you know, for anyone who's listening, as you think about your personality and your, your makeup, who you are, who God's made you to be, it's just really helpful to recognize that we all have leanings, um, preferences, if you will, that are just built into who we are. And um, oftentimes, if we're not careful, how those preferences actually become roadblocks for us in our spiritual growth is we only do the things that we prefer and we relatively never lean into the things that are a little bit harder for us. Hmm. So like a, an easy example of this would be spiritual disciplines. So when it comes to, you know, 
reading the Bible or praying, let's like include silence and solitude, um, serving. Like if we just took those four, if you're listening, you probably identified with one of those that you really like love more than the other. Um, yeah. But it's possible that some of your greatest spiritual growth would be actually diving into one of the ones that you don't prefer as much. And so like if you're an extremely extroverted person, silence and solitude might be really difficult for you, but it might also be really good for you. Hmm. And so this is just a, a simple example of how our personalities can play a role in that and recognizing that we do have our preferences and that sometimes Jesus is calling us um, to follow him into areas that might not be our preference or might not be our strength areas as, as a way to grow us. Um, the second one is I would say, um, I see this a lot is we, we can tend to be fearful of extremism, um, in our day. And what I mean by that is like, I see this a lot in spirit and truth conversations, people that maybe grew up. I see that people that maybe grew up in more truth-oriented churches. So like I grew up in a a Baptist church. Um, I served in a Bible church for a long time. And our greatest, um, one of our greatest fears in that camp of churches or stream of churches was emotionalism, which Mm -hmm. is what you oftentimes get um, in the the far extremes of uh, more charismatic churches, you know? Right. Yeah. And then I and then what's crazy is I met a bunch of friends who grew up in charismatic churches and what their greatest fear is is intellectualism. Which is which was That's like so right, interesting. Yeah, and so it was one of these things where I was like, "Oh, like we're afraid of of the worst extreme in your uh of like how you grew up and you're afraid of of uh like for for the churches that I grew up, you're like, if you're not careful, you're going to amass all this information about God, but you're not going to actually know him or experience him. And I was like, you know, that's actually true. That, that is, um, that is possible in the churches that I grew up in to, to like have this, you know, Bible verse mentality about who God is, but not actually learn to walk with him. And so, and so I think it's, it's helpful for us to ask ourselves the question of like, what, what fears and what extremes are we concerned about um, or does our church or denomination have concerns about? And just make sure that that sometimes like, in for example, like what I just mentioned with intellectualism, if that kept someone from studying the Bible, that would actually be an important hindrance to their faith. And for mm-hmm. me, emotionalism, if that kept me from walking in step with the Holy Spirit, that would actually be a hindrance to my faith. And we just oftentimes don't think about um, these things in these terms, but when you start talking about people getting roadblocked or you mentioned like just dry in their spiritual walk, it's like you might need to consider leaning into some areas of your life that are a real part of who you are, a real part of what the Bible calls you to in following Jesus, but you're just kind of afraid of them or they're unnatural to you. And mm-hmm. what I would say is like, I think potentially through that door is some of the greatest spiritual growth you might experience in your life would be leaning into those. It makes me think of 
So for those of you listening, I want to bring context again. Aaron and his dear friend Catherine wrote a book called Whole. And a lot of what we're talking about in this conversation is coming from this book. So in y'all's book, one of the things that you talk about is being and doing. And it makes me think of what my pastor was talking about recently on a Sunday morning. It was so good because he was talking about the power and the purpose of delighting in the Word of God. But then he led our church through just memorizing one verse. Hmm. And he put up on the screen Colossians 3.16, I think it is. And it was, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And we just hung out in let. Yeah. He's like, let. What does that mean? Let. And he was like, I'm going to make space. I'm going to make room for you, God, to dwell within me. I'm going to, if I'm occupied by other things in my day, I am choosing to make room for you and your word to dwell in me. Let what? The word of Christ, the truth. Do what? Dwell. It is with me. I am sitting in it. I'm thinking on it. I'm talking about it. I'm writing it down. Richly. What does that mean? Richly meaning that it is like I am letting it infuse every part of my day. So when I'm getting in the car, God, I'm going to let your word dwell among me richly. Whenever I'm yeah. going to, like, in the grocery store and I'm about to talk with the cashier, God, I'm going to let your word dwell among me richly. And you may be thinking, how does this relate to being versus doing? I want to really talk to the person who's listening to our conversation that may be leaning towards that doing type of space. And you may think that your growth in your walk with God and maybe even like your like the love that God has for you is dependent upon how much scripture that you memorize. Mm-hmm. Well, a part of that is has some truth in the sense that my relationship with God does grow the more I am hiding his word in my heart. Keep doing that. But <laughs> your the love that God has for you is not dependent on how much scripture you are memorizing. And so if you think that his love for you and your value in his sight is based upon how much you memorize, then you may miss out on why you're even memorizing in the first place. You're memorizing in the first place to grow in relationship with him, to know Mm -hmm. him better, to become more of who he's called you to be. So for some of you, you may have a very studious mindset and just as Aaron said, like that's a gift from God. It's a part of your makeup and how he purposefully wired you. But I think the enemy and in our own flesh, we can easily let that get twisted to where we forget why we're doing all the things that we're doing. And maybe mm-hmm. a great way for you to grow in relationships, step out of maybe some dryness you're experiencing, is be okay with just sitting in one verse today. Maybe yes. don't read the whole chapter. Just mm-hmm. sit in one and realize that that's just as productive for you to sit in a whole chapter because you're remembering the why being, I'm just spending time with God and hiding his word in my heart. And the value mm-hmm. of it is not in how much I accumulate in this one sitting, but it's what I'm accumulating in this one sitting. So I just love how you're talking. It's, it's both. It's not stop memorizing scripture. 
but remember your why and be okay if that means I make it a little bit more simple today. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. You know, as you're saying that, I I do think when it comes to being and doing, maybe just to like elaborate on your point, it's like, I think biblically, this is one of the areas that being does precede doing to some, to some extent. Um, And that doesn't mean it has to be that every single day. But when you think about John 15, which is when Jesus is teaching his disciples what it means to abide in him, you know, he does use the metaphor of a vine and a branch. And he says this like kind of, it's honestly startling to me. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And if I'm being honest, there's, there's a real part of me that's like, wait, nothing? Like I, I cannot amass anything helpful apart from you. Like sometimes in my heart of hearts, I want to believe that there's something I have to offer, you know, and Jesus, yeah. I, I think part of what he's saying to us is, no, you can do, you could actually do a lot of things. But if you want to do things that last, things that matter, things that have an eternal impact, you can't do any of those things without without being in relationship to me. And so mm-hmm. then he, you know, he paints the picture of the the vine and the branch. And it's just helpful to think about that of like um, fruitfulness in God's kingdom does not come from striving and earning and hustle but those are words that we hear all the time in our culture. You know, it's like, yeah, you need a side so hustle and, and then a side hustle to your side hustle. And, you know, and it's like Jesus is teaching the upside down way of the kingdom. And he's like, in, in my way, fruitfulness comes when you attach yourself in a relationship to me that mm-hmm. um, fruitfulness is going to look like a really healthy branch with grapes coming off of it. And yeah. it's like, you know, when's the last time you saw a really healthy fruit tree bearing fruit? Um, what did it look like, if you can imagine that? And it's like, it looks healthy. Mm-hmm. And yet the uh, the opposite picture is true of our culture, where oftentimes whenever we're really like trying to produce something, we're like stressed out, we're tired, we're over-functioning. And so this is like the most relieving picture that I think Jesus could have offered where he's like, Hey, can you just recognize that the, the best and most productive thing you could do is remain in me today. And if you remain in me, fruit will come. It's not if, and, or, but it's, it's a natural byproduct of being in relationship with me. And I don't know, for me, I'm kind of like an achieving personality. That is just like, the best news to my soul because it it frees me from this feeling that I've got to roll up my bootstraps every single morning and I've got to be excellent at everything I do or per- perfect at everything I do. And so I just say that to anyone listening, you know, if if sometimes you feel the stress and the anxiety of it all depends on you, the beautiful thing about being with God is it's like the direct reminder that you don't have to accomplish it all. You just have to remain in relationship to the one who has and allow that fruitfulness to come. And, you know, it's a a truly life-changing paradigm shift. I love how so much of this is centered around 
growing in relationship with God because I really hope what is shouted from the rooftops in this conversation and lands on the ears of those hearing is that your relationship with God can grow. I think sometimes we put our relationship with God in a box thinking, yep, this is my relationship with God. And then these are the other areas of my life, my family, my sports, my career. And Mm -hmm. what's so beautiful is that he wants to relate to us in our whole self, meaning my entire life is infused with my relationship with him. And it's an ongoing journey. Like what's so encouraging to me through this conversation is that, wow, like I'm 24 years old right now. And I know that when I'm 25, I'm going to know God more than I did at 24. Like it's, it's like my relationship with my husband. Like I know him more than I did when we got married two years ago, and I'm Mm going to continue to get to know him. So I want to encourage you guys, don't put your relationship with God in a box, but realize just as Peter prayed over the church, he's prayed that I, my prayer is that you may grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's literally saying that you'll grow. (laughs) This is a journey that you're on. Um, That's just really encouraging to me. I love that. And so something that in your book that I found so fascinating and also it caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting it to be a segment of your book. And I loved that. It was the sinner and the saint. So in your book, you like talk about different categories that we can really lean into. And therefore, there are other categories that because we don't lean into it, we may be missing out on growing deeper in our walk with God. So talking about the head and the heart, spirit and truth, being and doing. Then you had the sinner and the saint. Can you talk with me about what that means and why that was put there? Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, it's one of my, it's, I don't know, maybe my favorite chapter in the book, but it was um, admittedly the hardest to write because it is a little bit nuanced. Yeah, it's a little bit nuanced and we want to be clear with what we're saying about it. Um, it, this will go back to a little bit of of what your church background is. It's this chapter is in the book is really getting at how do you see yourself now that you are in Christ. So if you're saved in Jesus, how what's your predominant viewpoint on who you are now? Um, and the New Testament is fascinating when it talks about um, those who are in Christ and Paul especially. Because he always addresses the individual as with their new identity in Christ. So, you know, saints in Ephesus or saints in Rome, you know, um, grace and peace to you in, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Like this is a very common way that Paul opens up talking to his audience. And then yeah. what's funny is he usually goes directly to addressing some sort of problem or sin issue that they're having. And, That's so true. And so you see it play out in all these letters. And what we found out is oftentimes if we get stuck on seeing ourselves just as one of these, um, it can lead to roadblocks. And for me in the background I grew up in, it was only seeing myself as a sinner. And mm-hmm. so I would get stuck in kind of this um, self-loathing, uh, not seeing anything good about who I am, uh, only seeing that my need for repentance, rarely ever seeing my need for celebration of who I am in Christ. And you can kind of see how if you go down that track, like you're, 
there are things that are true about that. Like I am yeah. utterly in need of Jesus in every part of my life. Um, without him, I can do no good thing. And yet there are other scriptures that are very uh, much true also that would say I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and God knit me together in my mother's womb. And there was something that was that is very good about who I am and who you are and who anyone listening is. And mm-hmm. Paul says that when we are saved in Christ, we're seated with him in the heavenly realms, given every, every spiritual blessing is now ours in Christ. And I'm like, well, that feels like I'm rich in in all the things that are mine in Christ. And so for me, the growth point was going, oh, I need to see myself in a more biblical way, which is n- now I am Aaron, a son of the Most High, redeemed in Christ. Um, I'm a saint of God, and I still have very real sin issues in my life that need to be addressed, and it will be that way. I will be ongoingly living out that identity for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, and there are some people who come from the the total opposite background. My wife and I actually come from opposite backgrounds. And she grew up with a church that very much emphasized her new identity in Christ, but very rarely talked about sin, very rarely talked about repentance and confession. Mm-hmm. And so she was kind of living the other opposite half where it's like you almost can take sin too lightly and not be really aware of its damaging effects in your life and the world and the people around you. Um, you can overlook necessary disciplines like confession and repenting and even how to do that, you know? And so for anyone listening, it's like, it's kind of the same question. Like, how do you see yourself? And I think the Bible invites us to address both. And it's not an either or, but it's a both and. And the emphasis is to receive everything that is ours in Christ as ours indeed. Um, But then take seriously the fact that until we are with Jesus fully, uh, we're going to mess up and we're going to have real, you know, bondages in our life that we need to confess and repent and be in accountability in, with other brothers and sisters in Christ in. And the beautiful thing is, I think when we learn to walk holding these two things, you know, one in each hand, um, we actually have the power to overcome sin because of what Christ has done for us. Um, and so we, we like see our need, but also recognize that we're not the ones who can get out of our mess ourselves. And so it it can hopefully lead us to cling to our savior in a greater way, to cling to community in the church in a, in a more healthy way. Um, so that's in a nutshell, what the chapter is about. And I think it can be immensely helpful for people because some of you have been potentially beating yourself up in a way that's not biblical in the fact that you're not actually allowing yourself to take hold of what Christ says is now true about you. And again, if that's the truth, um, then this should feel like a huge glass of ice water, you know, in a desert. But yeah. I hope, that's what I hope, is that those listening feel like they're just drinking a good old glass of water. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. this is, what you're saying is so refreshing. And what I'm hearing you say 
really produces gratitude, which leads to confidence yeah. to acknowledge that I praise God am a new creation. And yeah. I, those of you who are listening, I pray that you say this over your soul because it's true. It's literally scripture. It's not just these fluff words I'm saying to hype you up for a hot second. This yeah. is like foundational, life-changing, God-breathed truth that you are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. The new has come. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives within you. You are more than a conqueror. Nothing in all of creation could ever separate you from the love of God. You are made in the image of God, fearfully and wonderfully, on purpose, for such a time as this. This is truth. But I love, Aaron, how you're saying it's like my gratitude for that reality and my confidence in that reality is almost depleted whenever I'm not aware of how gracious it is that that is my reality. That's because a great then way when of I, saying it. Yes. When I also go and look at the reality of I, I failed, I screwed up. Mm -hmm. The what I deserve is to die because scripture also says that the wages of sin is death. That yep. even my like what my good works appear before a holy, perfect God is like filthy rags to him. And so when I also go to look at that with awareness of my new identity in Christ, I'm also looking at that with gratitude of praise God that but he who is rich in mercy and kindness he delivered me from this though I was obedient to the ways of the world obedient to the yeah. ways of my own flesh against him it was by grace through faith that he saved me out of this and then Again, it's gratitude that produces confidence. I'm now, I'm confident because I'm held by, carried by, loved by a God who redeemed me and called me and wants me. Yeah. And I so agree with you. Like one without the other, it's like I miss out on what God actually wants me to be fueled by is the gratitude and confidence that comes from the sweet gift of redemption. Yeah, ab absolutely. And I think it's like gratitude, confidence, and humility in the sense that I I'm boasting in Christ now. Like I yeah. it's 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 leading my heart to worship him because the fact that he does want me, he did purchase me, I am his. It's all his doing. And I'm Thanks so thankful God. like like um because the, the tendency would be if we live there too much, we actually deceive ourselves into thinking that we did it. And that's why those things are true of us. And it's like, but if we if we keep coming back to recognizing our deep need, then it keeps this healthy cycle of like, oh my gosh, I messed up again. Or, you know, something happens and I remember a, a past failure and I'm just like, oh, so sorry, Lord. Like, will you help me? I confess that. And then you remember, oh, like he's faithful to forgive me. In fact, he says that just yes. because I've confessed that, like he's forgotten it and my sins as far as the East is from the West. And I'm like, okay, now I'm already back into like boasting in Christ. I'm worshiping him. And I think this is especially important maybe for anyone listening who you feel like just maybe chained down or like the weight of shame 
rest heavy on you because of some things or yeah, some things you've done wrong or mistakes that you've made in your past. And the voice of uh, the Lord to us is for those who are in Christ, there's no condemnation now. And yes. that shame can literally fall off of your shoulders and you could you can rise up and say, it's not because of me, but because of Christ and his sacrifice and his work in me now, those things, my past failures don't, um, they don't define who I am. I have a good future ahead of me. And that's just, I mean, it's just why the gospel is, you know, quote, good news. It, it genuinely yeah. is just, just good news and it's good news for anyone and everyone but that is such a thing that you have to learn how to walk in. You know, I, I was a Christian for quite a few years before I actually let go of shame and guilt from past mistakes. And it wasn't that. It was already true of me. I just had to learn how to receive it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like Christ, yeah. had already for, Christ had already forgiven my mistakes. I had already said, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Um, I just still kept carrying the baggage. And it took me years to realize, like, I think if Jesus was standing right next to me, he'd be like, hey, you know, you can set that down now. Like, wow. I've already freed you. I've already freed you from it. Why are you, why are you still carrying it around? And yet, I think a lot of us do that. And um, mm -hmm. so the oh, invitation. So yeah. Yeah. The invitation is to, like, let it let it go in the grace of Jesus and let the easy yoke of the Savior like wash over you and truly believe what is already yours in Christ. This is so encouraging. It kind of makes me think of our conversation a little earlier about like memorizing and meditating on scripture because I know I've had moments where I intellectually know that yeah. If I confess my sins to the Lord, he is faithful and just to forgive me. I intellectually know, I haven't memorized, that those who look to the Lord are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. But in my soul, I am walking in shame. And in my soul, I'm not walking in forgiveness, Like yep. even though I have complete access to it. So I think this is a, I don't know, sometimes I think we need a good little hey, come on, like a, a good, like in your face kind of pep talk of, hey, you may intellectually know this, but you're not walking this out. And I love you so much that I'm going to call you out in it. You yeah. need to walk in what you have full access to. And yeah. I feel like a really great takeaway from our conversation today that I hope y'all receive who are listening and apply is go to the Lord in prayer today and Ask him to search your heart and know you, to test you and know your anxious thoughts. See what is in you. See what maybe you're not doing or what you are doing or what you're not believing or what you are believing that's keeping you from growing in relationship with him. That's keeping you from seeing yourself the way that he sees you. That's keeping mm. you from walking in the freedom he's already given you full access to. Um, and I just love scripture says the Lord will call upon him and he'll reveal to you great and unsearchable things you don't know. Why would he not show you what could help you know him more? So I really, I feel like that's just a great tangible 
thing to take away you can do right after this podcast is Mm -hmm. go ask the lord god how can i know you better and what's keeping me from doing so aaron i i thank you because i feel like our conversation today is going to kickstart a lot of really sweet conversations people can have with the lord and with their communities regarding just getting to know god better so thank you yeah. Oh, well, you're welcome. I've loved the conversation. Yeah. And I, I pray the same thing for anyone listening. Oh, man. Well, I love you dearly. And everyone listening, I love y'all so much. Thank you for tuning in today. May the Lord bless you and keep you and shine his face upon you. Be gracious unto you and give you peace. I cannot wait to talk to you all next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>